Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Last week was a great kickoff to the fall, and it was a blast meeting some of you for the very first time. I got a chance to talk with Alex. Alex just moved here from out of town. He's going to grad school, and he's been watching some of our messages online through our YouTube channel, and he finally decided to join us in person, and it was great getting to know him. His desire to connect in a church community was so cool to see, and that's one of the huge reasons why he decided to join a community group. And I'm pumped for him because he's gonna make some friends, he's gonna grow in his faith, and I'm gonna pump for many of you because that's gonna be many of your experiences this fall. You've been signing up for groups, and I just wanna say I'm excited for you. And if you've been on the fence about joining a group for one reason or another, I encourage you, check out our app, click the find a group tile, and shoot one of the leaders an email this week and just check out their group because following Jesus truly is the best life and following Jesus is way better together. And this fall is all about following Jesus. You see, we're in this new series, U-Turn, because we seek a, a good life, a full, meaningful life, and for all our lives, the world has told us that we'll find this life when we find freedom, the ability to pursue whatever we desire, express ourselves however we wish. And this sounds good on the surface, and many of us have tried it. You know, we've done the program, we've read the book, we've bought the thing, we've gone on the vacation, we've moved into the house, we've got the new job, whatever it is that the world is selling us, like we've tried it. But we found ourselves empty rather than full, dissatisfied rather than satisfied. We're more stressed than at peace. Like there has to be a better way. And what we discovered last week is that there is a better way. It's the way of Jesus, and he lays it out in the Sermon on the Mount. So what is this way? What does it look like to follow Jesus? Well, Jesus very famously taught what it looked like to follow him in what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. So if you've got a Bible with you, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verses 3 through 12, where Jesus opens up this famous teaching. And we're going to discover today the good life and how we can experience it. And it's not the way we initially think. So, if you need a Bible or a place to jot down some notes, you can, of course, do that in our free app. But let me just bring us all up to speed as to what's been going on, because we're about to dive into the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, we saw Jesus invite his first followers to come and follow him. Then he went out and showed what it looked like when they were followers of him, what the kingdom of God was like. They, they heard the message, they saw it, firsthand, and then Jesus starts to gather people around him. Matthew actually tells us how it went down. He says in Matthew 5, 1 and 2, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. About 1,300 years prior, God gave Moses the law on Mount Sinai. 
the, the law was basically Moses' uh, way to, to share with the Israelites what it looked like to have a relationship with God. And now, here we have Matthew portraying Jesus as a new Moses, a better Moses, because just like Moses received the law from God on Mount Sinai, here Jesus is on a mountainside. And his disciples come to him, and as a rabbi typically would, Jesus sat down as he prepared to teach, and then his disciples stood around him. But not just those who immediately knew him, crowds started to come because they're curious to hear what this new rabbi from Nazareth Nazareth has to say. And they're about to discover a better way. And we are too, but first let's do this. Let's pause, let's pray, and let's ask to hear from God as we open his word. Lord, thank you so much for inviting us to experience life with you. And thank you, Jesus, for teaching very plainly and clearly how we can realize that. We know that you're the way, and we we ask that you will help us follow you, even now as we learn from your teaching. In your name we pray. Amen. So Jesus introduces the way to the good life as follows in Matthew 5, 3-12. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus opens his sermon with a clear view of the good life. Kingdom of heaven, comforted, inherit the earth filled, shown mercy, seek. I mean, if God and heaven are real, who wouldn't want this to characterize their life? Now, this is a compelling picture of the good life. But how do we get there? Well, do we, is it the, uh, the way to heaven doing good? Like that's, that's what the world tells us. Or it, it's the powerful who inherit the earth, right? Or the, the rich who are going to be filled. Isn't it? I mean, that's what we've been told. That's what we've been sold. And yet Jesus poses a very different way. I mean, listen to this. Jesus says it's the poor in spirit who are going to receive the kingdom of heaven. Or, or the, those who mourn, they're the ones who are going to be comforted. This is so different from anything we would ever anticipate. The, the meek. The meek are the ones who inherit the earth. Not not the powerful. What is going on here? I mean, Jesus' way seems so different from the way of the world. Because it is. His way is, is almost opposite the way of the world. And this word in, in the passage we read that's translated blessed, it, it also means happy, fortunate, favored by God. So it's as if Jesus is saying, happy are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek. Fortunate are the, the righteous, the, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. 
favored by God are those who are persecuted, insulted, and falsely accused. What? But that, that, that's the, the upside-down nature of God's kingdom, the upside-down nature of the good life. You see, Jesus would often, uh, we, we kind of are using this language, the good life, but he would talk about this, this good life as the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And I, I don't know about you, but like I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the, the way of the world and in building my own kingdom. That, that seems almost natural to me because it's what all the advertisements are selling. and It's the way I'm used to living. But I found myself, when I, when I live this way, feeling more empty, exhausted, exasperated. Whereas Jesus is presenting a different way. But this, this way seems so hard. As a guy, I'm not good at mourning. Meek, meek feels weak. Pure in heart, peacemaker. Come on, like I want to take the hill. What about the persecuted? How about promoted? That sounds way better. Insulted? I'd rather be an influencer. I mean, come on. This, this is a challenging way. Now, the good news of Jesus is that we don't have to live this way of our own merit, our own doing. It's not our good works that help us experience the good life. It's the good one. You see, we fall short. We fall short in being poor in spirit. We fall short, short being pure in heart. Left to our own devices, we're going we're gonna to miss the mark on this list. Paul even reminds us in Romans 3, verses 10 through 12, he says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Where we fall short, Jesus followed through. And as I concluded the message last week, I want to reread the passage again here now because this passage, this early Christian hymn, found in Philippians 2, verses 6 through 11, this hymn beautifully portrays Jesus as the fulfillment of the Beatitudes. Listen to this. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Friends, meek, meek's not weak. Meek is, is power under control, and no one demonstrated this better than Jesus. Fully God, the Son of God, became fully man. And when his friend Lazarus died, you know what Jesus did? He wept. Because that's the human response to loss. Once in his ministry, Jesus was presented with a woman who was caught in adultery. So he was merciful 
towards her because that's the divine response to sin. Righteous? <laughs> we fall short in being righteous, but Jesus knew no sin, yet he died for your sin, for my sin. Persecuted? Insulted? Falsely accused? That was Jesus' story. You see, uh, people wanted him to victoriously ride into Jerusalem, to overthrow the Romans, to bring freedom to God's people. But Jesus rode in on a donkey, and then he died at the hand of the Romans. Persecuted, insulted, falsely accused for you, for me. And then, as we just read, when he victoriously rose from the grave and then he ascended into heaven 40 days later, he now sits at the right hand of the throne of God. Like, how's that for a promotion? Jesus did what we couldn't do. Like, like we fall short living this way, but Jesus embodied the life of the kingdom. He embodied the good life, and he's offering it to us. Jesus even taught this later in his ministry. This is in John 15, right before he goes to the cross. He's sitting around a table with his disciples, and he says this in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is our source of light and fruitfulness. And when we are in him and he is in us, we, we grow to be more and more like him. We start to embody these values, these character qualities of the kingdom. And we start to experience the good life, even here and now. Because as we briefly talked about last week, the, the nature of the kingdom of God is that it's already, like we experience elements of the kingdom. Anytime someone's healed, someone's forgiven from sin, freed from human trafficking, or, or whatever it is. But then there's also this not yet nature to the kingdom. Like one day we'll experience the kingdom of God, the good life in its fullest form. There's going to be no more mourning or crying or pain or suffering. We're going to be raised to life. That's going to be experienced one day. And just as the kingdom has is already in its not yet, so too our own relationship, our righteousness is kind of that way too. You see, because of Jesus, we are seen as righteous before God. Like when, when God looks at us, he no longer sees that spring break trip, the, the one night stand, the lying to get the promotion. Like he doesn't see our sin, he sees Jesus in our place because now we get to be righteous before God all because of Jesus. So that happens already. That happens immediately when we receive Jesus, when he forgives us of our sin. But there's also this like ongoing process. Like one day we won't have any sin in our life, but we're on this, this continuum, this journey. The ancients called it sanctification. And it's a process. Sometimes we become more and more like Jesus, and then other times sin gets a hold in our life. And the Holy Spirit convicts us, and we have to repent and, and follow Jesus again. For example, let's just take that character quality of meekness, right? Uh, I used to think meek was weak. Like, why would I ever want to be meek? I, I, any power I had, I wanted to use to my own advantage. But now, because of Jesus, because of what he's doing in my heart, 
sometimes I'm more inclined to actually use any power, any influence that I might have to actually help someone else rather than myself. That, that's not natural for me. That's something supernatural, something Jesus is doing in me, something the Holy Spirit is working in me, transforming me, making my character more like Jesus' character. But then there are days, even still, where I might have made some progress on this, but then I feel entitled or I, I'm tempted to just use power to my own advantage again. And that, when that happens, the Holy Spirit will convict me and I have to repent. I have to turn, like we talked last week. I have to turn from that sin and I have to follow Jesus again. This journey of sanctification will one day reach its fulfillment when we're, we're with Christ in glory and we're experiencing the fullness of the kingdom, the fullness of the good life, and that'll also be expressed in our own character. Sin won't be a struggle anymore. One day it'll be said of us, blessed are you, Chris, John, Morgan, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. When we're in Christ and he is in us, one day all the Beatitudes are going to characterize us because these are the values, the qualities of the people in the kingdom of God. So the question is, like, how do we remain in Christ? How do we abide in him? Well, if you've been with us for any length of time, you've probably heard us talk about chair time, that simple practice of sitting in a chair in your home, opening up your Bible, reading it, and praying. Now, this week, I want to challenge you to mix it up. Instead of just trying to get through Scripture, you know, reading whatever number of chapters you always read or just doing the next day on the version plan, instead of trying to get through Scripture this week, let's make it our goal for Scripture to get through us. Read less. Reflect more. What if you opened up your Bible and instead of having a set amount that you're going to read, you just started to read? And you kept reading until you felt like God was speaking to you. And then instead of just blowing right past, you, you stopped, you paused, and you just reflected on what you hear God saying to you. Maybe you write down the verse. Maybe you memorize the verse. Or maybe you mix it up in a different way. Maybe you read a psalm this week and you make it your prayer back to God. Or what if, what if you do something crazy? And you read the same verse every day, all week long, meditating on what it means to you. When we remain in Jesus and he remains in us, we become more and more like him. And a change of perspective is often preceded by a change in posture or a change of pace. So we're going to mix up our chair time this week as we remain in Jesus, as we grow in our relationship with him, and we're just going to see what he does when we do that very thing. Now, when our character is transformed, we're going to find ourselves acting differently. We're going to find ourselves when maybe once we would have uh, just kind of brushed the person aside because we're not one who, who would mourn, now we, we actually will mourn with someone, even if we don't fully understand the cause that they're mourning for. Or, or maybe we find ourselves being merciful. Once we would have uh, retaliated when we're attacked, but now, now we're not going to lash out. Maybe you've been labeled. 
as someone who got the vaccine or someone who didn't get the vaccine, mask or no mask, whatever the label is that's been placed on you by the other side, what if you actually treated them with mercy rather than hate? Or how about this, peacemaker, right? That is not natural. Certainly in this day and age, that is a not a natural character quality. We want to go to the protest and we want to take a stand for our side. What if you went to that rally, but you brought waters to give to the people on the other side of your political stance? Like, like you're going to extend grace to them just because that's what Jesus has done for you. You see, Jesus' love for them you know, them, the people on the other side of the, the issue, Jesus' love for them is actually greater than your difference with them. And you're coming to realize that. Friends, this is a journey. It's a journey of sanctification. And the reason we can ever experience the good life, the good life comes through the good one's work in us and through us. This isn't our own doing. This is Jesus doing. And when the good one, when Jesus works in us and through us, earth starts to look a little more like heaven. Now, I want to give you a warning. If you decide to follow Jesus in his way to the good life, I'm just going to warn you up front, don't do this if you want to be liked. You won't be liked. You're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be falsely accused, as Jesus said. But if you want to like your life, follow Jesus. Because it is through Jesus that we get to experience the good life. And as Jesus opened his sermon, I'm going to close mine. Again, reading those Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. God, would you please work in us? Would you make us more and more like Jesus? Would you make us poor in spirit? Would we be people who mourn, who are meek, who hunger and thirst for righteousness? Would we be merciful as you are merciful? Would we be pure in heart? Would we be peacemakers? And when others persecute us, insult us, falsely accuse us, would we not lash out? But would we extend mercy and grace? Because Jesus, this is who you were. This is who you are. And we praise you and we thank you that we get to have this relationship with you. In your name we pray.